not let the folks themselves ask for something that they like to hear? We are knee deep in a pool of stagnation. Ah, oh, no, no, wait a minute, friends. You don't want to hear that, do you? Yeah. yeah. Hey guys, welcome to a special version of Objectively Incorrect. This is one extra. Um, and we're going to be focusing on the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm going to be dating these conversations, so I'm going to be telling you what date we um, recorded them. And in some cases, I'm also going to be saying what time we recorded them. Because the information and the situation is evolving, I want you guys to be as up-to-date as possible. I'm here joined with um, Dr. Terrence Martin Jr., um, who is, in my opinion, authority on financial affairs um, across the region and across the world. Um, Terence, <laughs> Terence, thanks for, for joining me on the show, man. I really wanted to hear from you. I, we, we had a, a little bit of a conversation beforehand, um, but it was really just touching the surface, and I wanted to get just a little bit deeper and hear your actual thoughts, especially now that the situation is developing um, the way it is. Um, today is what, March the 25th, well, Wednesday, um, the day after the, yeah. the Prime Minister's press conference. So COVID-19, what are, what are your thoughts generally, and then we could probably get a little bit more specific. What do you think about this entire epidemic, um, pandemic, sorry. You know, <clears throat> well, generally, uh, we, we started hearing about this early January. And in my investments courses, for example, I would ask my students, like, hey, you know, what do you think the economic fallout would be? Mm. And at that point, it was just conjecture because global markets were still rallying in terms of stock markets. Um, production was still up. People were still traveling. And then we started to get data. Yeah. And it's when we started to get data that, that give, gave the world pause. Mm. And it's one for it to start in the epicenter in Wuhan. Mm. And, um, <clears throat> but coming out of Wuhan, you saw how quickly it spread, right? Mm. Now, that's in China now to over 170 countries. And then you saw uh, the demand side businesses, the, mm. the, the businesses that serve um, people, for example, we're talking about entertainment, hospitality. Uh, transportation, etc., they started to see a drop in demand, right? Mm. Because now people started to get worried and, and you had information coming and misinformation coming. And the, the worst information was the misinformation. Was the misinformation. Right? Because, yeah, and, and you know, and in some cases, it could have been good intentions where people were like, okay, this is the situation, but then within 24 hours, that changed. That almost sounded like fake news mm -hmm. by the time it was consumed by some people. Indeed. So it, it spread really quickly, man. It spread really quickly and unexpectedly. And I saw, you know, the other day I watched a video and I saw a global estimate and said, um, they basically made a projection. And of course, it's a lot of projection now. I mean, we do have some hard data, but it's still an ongoing situation, very much evolving on a 24-hour basis. Um, and yeah. he, the guy said he was like, if left with no um, action whatsoever on part of government, policymakers, anything, that he anticipates that the, 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 the COVID-19 could spread throughout all countries in the world in about 60 days at the rate that it was mm -hmm. spreading. Um, so mm -hmm. even going to quarantines and so it's just a matter of just resetting the clock and trying to, to slow yeah. it down in a way that you could, it could manage it over yeah. the next 60 yeah. days. And so on. It is definitely about slowing it down, social distancing, self-isolation, self-quarantine, official quarantine. Mm -hmm. uh, it's to flatten the curve, and that's the the, the jargon that we use. Um, it's, and the goal is to lessen the amount of people you come in contact with. Mm -hmm. Because you could be asymptomatic or you could be symptomatic. Mm -hmm. And the most dangerous of all are the asymptomatic because they're not showing any, any signs that they have this thing. Mm -hmm. And then you also have a group of people 
that suffer from these different symptoms individually for varying reasons. If you have sinus problems, you've been hit with all these symptoms most of your life. Yeah, indeed. So how do you decide what, what, you know? And do I have COVID-19 decision? or do I just have normal exactly. sinus? Yeah. Exactly. And also, too, you know, uh, from a public health standpoint, you don't want to overwhelm your health system because mm-hmm. that could be worse. Then you put your frontline workers more at risk because protocols and controls get slowed down mm-hmm. and then, you know, people fall through the cracks, right? Yeah. So, like, one of the things I've been seeing recently with, with data coming out of the CMO, I think it's just yesterday, mm-hmm. uh, 200 people quarantined but only 39 tested or something to that effect. Yeah. And people are like, well... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the people are like, well, you know, if these people came from hot spots, shouldn't they all be tested? And the answer is no, right? There are protocols to follow, and sometimes deviating from those protocols can actually lead to more harm than good. It does. So, you know, we should practice. Go ahead. It would, because, I mean, you could even consider something some something so similar as a, a bottleneck. Most we, we mm-hmm. the, the CMO also noted that it's a two-step process, which is something I didn't know, yeah. um, that they test locally. Um, there's a lab that tests locally. I think it's next generation yeah. or something. And then next they also they yeah. also send the tests away to Trinidad, um, which is careful. Yeah. Um, and again, yeah. Trinidad is accepting a lot of um, requests for these tests. The worst thing you want to do is to start sending thousands of tests and you create a bottleneck where nobody gets the responses yeah. they need. And, and that's the laboratory, of official lab for the region, right? Yes, so what this actually speaks towards is maybe we need to divest those things and mm-hmm. have a more decentralized strategy. Mm-hmm. Maybe have one in the lesser Antilles as well as the greater Antilles. Indeed. Uh, the Leeward Islands as well as the Leeward Islands. Sorry. Uh, you know, because therefore right now, Trinidad with the population they have, and they have been a little bit more aggressive with the quarantining process. They, they quarantine planes of people mm-hmm. to the point where... And they're even rejecting their own nationals to the point where Barbados just accepted a big bunch of them as well, um, their own nationals, and put them into quarantine. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that's speaking towards maybe having a second site in the region that could do some of this testing. Because if you realize, well, basically over the past 10 years or so, we've seen SARS, we've seen Ebola, we've seen uh, MERS, mm-hmm. all these other similar coronaviruses. Mm-hmm. But that's why this one's called COVID-19, because they're other coronaviruses. Of course. Right? This is another so, one, um, a different one. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Um, but we've seen an uh, uptick in a lot of these. The difference is how they're transmitted. Mm-hmm. Right? This one is persistent and pervasive and mm-hmm. determined. I think one of the cruise ships that were quarantined for about two weeks said the the disease remained in cabins for 17 days after that. Wow. That's based on something we just read. Wow. So you're talking about the touching of services. You're talking about wood. You're talking about metal. You're talking about, you know, plastic and aluminum and, and, and sheets and stuff, right? That this thing could linger on. So now we're hearing talk that may be airborne. Mm-hmm. So then no, you know, planes and stuff become even more of a Dangerous. hotbed. Yeah, it does. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, I was flying. I flew back from Texas to Utah on Monday, and I saw this guy just um, um, leaving the plane, and he was in a full hazmat suit. Wow. Right? Mm. And then it's one thing to go on a hazmat suit, but then when you're taking it off, and you take it off the wrong way, you know, and mm. take off the gloves the wrong way, and all these things, it's just, just continuing the issue, yeah. 
And that's the thing. It's funny because um, even when it comes to like, uh, like, like the cruise ships, I, I don't know if people really truly understand how easy it is to transmit um, the disease on such a vessel. You're, you're basically locked into a single environment. Um, people oh, meet yeah. in the same space to eat. They're touching the same surfaces. Mm -hmm. It's just, mm -hmm. it's just very easy to spread. Even if it's, it's not necessarily airborne. Um, because it might be, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know if the, the jury's yeah. out on that one, because again, every day is more information. Yeah. But yeah, the droplets, they, if, if they're on a railing, or you, you're touching the same um, mm -hmm. elevator buttons, it's, it's just, it's so, it's so very easy. Um, the first, I think one of the biggest, one of the first cases of that happening, that cruise ship situation is when, I think there was one docked off of Japan. I mm -hmm. think, I think, yeah, I saw Korea, I think it's Japan. And yeah, it was off of Japan. Yeah. It was off of Japan. And they didn't want to accept them into port because there was a reported coronavirus case on the ship. And before you know it, oh. I think it was a, a hundred and something or two hundred and something people were infected because they still remained on the ship. It was just, it's just crazy. And Me I don't know. Think I lost you. I, hello? Hello? Uh, you can hear me now? Hello? Yeah, I'm hearing you now. Yeah. Okay, great. Sorry about that. But yeah, it's just again the, the the cruise ship is just like a petri dish for for spreading these kind of things. Oh, um, it definitely is. My question to you is: I mean, are we are we taking it seriously enough, or are we not taking it seriously enough? Are we taking it too seriously? Are we? How? how I mean, even you, you talk you to know, a lot of people on Facebook. I mean, what what is your general response? Are we are we too nonchalant about it? Or are we I, aggressive enough about it? You know, I, I guess it depends on who you talk to, right? I think we've seen a lot of political partisanship in dealing with this. But if we were to be honest with our discourse, I think what people are struggling with is that they feel they don't have complete information. Mm. And I think what the government is trying to do is to be careful with their messaging because you don't want to make people alarmist because you've already seen things like panic shopping, etc. Yes. Mm -hmm. But from the get-go in early January, the government started to issue notices and started to take steps. Now, if you're telling me that the, the plan wasn't clearly articulated or written down, okay. Mm -hmm. I've seen different examples and templates of, of best things. Mm -hmm. uh, like, for example, Anguilla clearly said what they will do at each stage. So mm -hmm. they say, okay, we know what stage zero, we know what stage one. So you automatically know what happened. Mm -hmm. And it may appear to some if we don't take that type of approach that the government isn't doing anything. I don't think that's a fair assessment, assessment yeah. because there have been a lot of conversations been happening. And the prime minister said it, you know, we're not going to be perfect with their response, but mm -hmm. the response is going to be with the protection of the people in mind. And mm -hmm. anybody that assumes that that's not the spirit of the government, I think that's dangerous. Mm -hmm. Right? No, you're entitled to your own opinion mm -hmm. at the end of the day. However, you have to be really careful and, and put yourself in their position because if you look at the, like Facebook just take a position where they're now censoring and filtering articles on COVID-19. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. as you know, Facebook serves millions and millions of people globally. Yeah, if you have all kind of misinformation coming out here, then that creates a problem. Mm -hmm. You know, there was an issue where there's one person out there holding press conferences on this without any official data. Wow. And the panelists are, are making, uh, and this is not think it, and I don't think you have to think very hard. Uh, uh, uh. But the, the panelists are making claims, for example, social distancing didn't come out of the team unity government. Mm -hmm. That's a global strategy. 
It is. But yet, the panelists were making suggestions, though they don't think that's viable or needed now. But they were making it on unofficial data. Mm. You can't expect the government to come and just give you all the data. You're not in that inner circle and inner sanctum. They first have to filter the information and then bring it to the public. Now, if you want more transparency in the process, okay, I understand that completely. But at the same time, that comes. We, we know we they're, they're getting data just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. When something new comes out, World Health Organization, PAHO, CAFA, mm-hmm. everybody meet, everybody discuss what's relevant, what's not relevant. You know, because first it wasn't airborne, now it's airborne. Now it might not be airborne. airborne. This vaccine works, this vaccine might not work. You have to give it time, right? Yeah. There's a concept of choice architecture when it comes to information. People think our information is good. But our information and having access to our information could create more problems. So I think we have to be a little bit more patient. And you have the right to call for transparency and the right for clarification. And I think with the advent of 311 and these kind of things that they're doing in the local community, I think we're going to see that. Uh, and, And how do you win? Exactly, ahead, but you sorry. can't. But you, that's 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 exactly what I was about to say. It's like, I I would much rather if 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 um the leaders that be, um they they come with an actual initiative. They come with an, an answer versus just coming with the problem that everybody knows. There is a COVID nineteen pandemic. Um, these are the facts that are stirring around the internet. These are the facts that are found on the um the WHO website. You could get up to date facts that way. But if I am going to hear from a leader, I want to hear what the leader is going to do about these these specific problems. State the problems, state what we're yeah. going to do about it. I do understand the transparency issue. I mean, people right now, they're scared. It, it, it's, no more, it's no more than if we don't have any confirmed cases at this point. And again, I'm, I'm, saying, when, I'm saying the date of this um, recording, so at least whatever is known is, is known that, you know, it might develop yeah. in the next yeah. couple of days or whatever the case is, hopefully not, but still, yeah. we have to be realistic. At this point, we have yeah. no, no no known cases. There's no confirmed cases mm-hmm. of COVID-19 at this specific juncture. And the government yeah. has to react to that information as um, dispassionately as possible. Like, we can't go into full quarantine mode, and I don't think it's wise to go into full quarantine mode, not having the data to prove that this is what would be the best situation or the best course of action and at this specific juncture. You know, a lot of people have been here and talking about even like closing schools and so on. And I understand, again, we're scared. I don't want, I don't want any children to get COVID-19. I also don't want any children to spread COVID-19 to older people. That's a valid claim. It's a valid concern. But at the same time, like, where are we in that phase? Are we at the phase we are closing down the schools possible? I mean, they did announce yesterday that the schools will be closed yeah, this Friday. Yeah, but, yeah it, but that's just a week on, on the Easter vacation. Yes, it's just yeah. a week extra. But I understand it's an ongoing scenario. and like It, it is ongoing. It's dynamic. It's dynamic, and it's, it's, very, it's a very fluid situation. Even um, um, Minister Grant yesterday made a, a statement, and he was talking about the music festival. <laughs> Me and my girlfriend, we've been having some back and forth about the music festival and what it means and what, what should be done and whatever. And of course, of course that's all my own personal issues, our own personal um, deciphering of what we see. But at the same time, I do understand that, look, we don't want to say anything preemptively. We want to see where this goes. Unfortunately, we don't have a lot of control mm-hmm. over certain things. We want to see what the international community is doing, how effective they are, what they're trying to do, and what happens in the next month, three weeks, whatever the case is. Before we make a hard lane yeah. decision about four months down the line, I do understand that. Yes. But yeah. if, if it's up to uh, us... I understand that. Too. 
And we if have you, to look and see. Yes, we, we have, have to, to look and see. Okay, my, my next question to you is this, because I mean, <laughs> you, you could probably talk about the stimulus package more in depth than I could probably see it. I don't know if you have the information, um, if you know about... Yeah, I, I have. I have the... the some bullet points. Okay, some bullet points. So what do you like what what are your thoughts on the stimulus package that was presented yesterday? If I'm honest, I think it was uh, and this might not be a generally accepted opinion, but I think it was too much too soon. Mm. And because of the discussion we just had, we just don't know. Right? Mm. And I think what we see here, I think in my opinion it should have been in phases and I think I alluded to this publicly. I do agree because about three weeks ago, I was calling for the reduction on VAT and import duties on essential products needed to fight Mm COVID-19. I agree with that completely. Right now, what we're seeing is company laying off people, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, we're seeing hotels closing. Mm -hmm. We're seeing tourism vendors. We see taxi men no longer have work, tour operators no longer have work, some restaurants will suffer as a result, and all of that. And I view, I have to preface this, I view small businesses in the same way I view individuals here, mm-hmm. right? I'm not, and I'm, when I say, and, and my comments aren't really geared towards these big hotel name brands like Marriott and Park Hyatt, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So, but with the layoff of people, one of the reasons why that happens so quickly is because the biggest cost in the tourism industry is it's labor. People. Yeah, it's labor. Right? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's going to forever be labor because it's a labor-intensive industry. And that's one of the reasons why we need to even look at further diversifying, but that's another conversation. Yeah. So I expected a stimulus package. And let me just say, I'm very happy with what came out. I'm very impressed mm-hmm. with what the, the prime minister and his cabinet put together. Um, but I think they kind of showed all they can too soon. Too soon. And it's leaving, leaving it up to the need for even further stimulus if these things become pervasive. That's why you kept hearing them say things like in the first instance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? He mm-hmm. said that repeatedly, in the first instance. They did. So, for example, I'm all in agreement of the $16.9 million to health. Yes. That was needed. Because mm-hmm. that's extra supplies. You have to protect your healthcare workers. Yes. And all of that. Uh, the 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 VAT and import duties on um, specified, specified hygiene, hygiene items, mm-hmm. uh, the removal of import duties and customs charges on vegetables, fruits, juices, cough, coal, etc. That one deal that's gonna be speaking more towards uh, supermarket, more commercial because they're the ones that bringing these exactly. things bulk. Mm-hmm. We don't find. A lot of locals go in and ordering vegetables because you have agricultural issues to contend with. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. that one they're speaking more towards businesses. So that cannot happen unless you have significant price control at the supermarket level. That will have no impact unless that happens. You know, the vitamins and, and coal preparation, that kind of stuff. Yeah, locals could bring those things in, mm-hmm. but they're not available anymore. Right. If you oh, go on snap. Amazon now, oh, wow. you, you you're gonna be hard pressed to find some of these items. So in short, you know, it, it, it's good because the, the, improve, the increase in the poverty alleviation program, the hopeful expansion in that as well, uh, the water payments waiver, people say, man, it's just water. But if you look at the number of households plus the average bill, it could add up to a significant loss during this time. Right? Mm, for the, the government. For the government, you mean? Exactly. Yes, exactly. Mm. For the government, because the government owns the water department, the moratorium on loans at the development bank, uh, the 
let's see what I what I have here. The, the Additional income assistance for self-employed yeah. persons. That one was huge. Listen, these are de- these are meant to stir demand. These are meant to stir demand, uh, and and that's needed. What we want, what the government is hoping to accomplish, is that when once we weather this storm, even those that are left, one, they could maintain their bills, mm-hmm. right? So we see in a full blitz from the ECCB on the monetary side to the government on a fiscal side to stimulate demand because we want to ensure people could pay their bills and after this crisis has passed, continue to live the standard of living that, that they, they have. have. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Now, is it perfect? Is it going to be a complete income replacement? No, because, you know, hotel workers got service charge or something, but the drop in income is going to be a lot less. Yeah. All right. But then the thing and, is, and, the, and also uh, too, and also too, the drop in income is not down to zero. And I think that's the biggest exactly. thing because I mean, you, of course, a thousand dollars, some people would have, would, 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 would have been making three and four times that amount of money. But at the same time, yeah. if you could say, Hey, look, we understand this is an extreme situation, but the government is at least allowing yeah. me to get a thousand dollars. That's enough to buy food at least, at least yeah. until you could weather yeah. this time until it's finished. So I yeah. think that's a big and, deal. And you know, that it is a very big deal because that's what we're dealing with in the United States right now. Yeah. That's what we observed in Barbados. So Barbados came up with six hundred and fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. The government is here is going up to a thousand. So we're gonna hopefully see an expansion in the project. Yeah. Right? Canada did the same thing. Um, and that's what they're trying to do in the US. I think this morning we, we saw that the Congress and the White House they came to some sort of deal or coming to a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to be good. And you see markets responding positively to that, that, that information. Mm-hmm. Right? So what you see, I think, is the government just wanted to get it all out there. Yeah. Um, and, and so they did not just demand side, but we saw uh, something there to spur the supply side. Incentives like if you maintain 75% of your staff, you're going to cut your income tax. Yeah. What, in, what impact that's going to have, honestly, that's left to be seen. Because it's not in my mind a significant enough drop and time horizon for it to be that impactful but what you're seeing the government is trying to do is to encourage and people to see people employed yeah. right keep people employed and even on the unincorporated businesses from 4% to 2% mm. people say man that is 2% but 2% multiply times the revenue that's a loss to the government yeah, so these tax losses and the increased spending is, is really a Keynesian approach to economics mm. in that the government is trying to offset the loss in consumption in the private market by offsetting it with public spending, right? So mm. in general, the consumer surplus in, for example, like if the supermarkets pass on the savings on food. So mm. we should see a significant reduction in the cost of food, wow. right? Uh-huh. At least. 20, 30 to 40%, the value of the input duties and surcharges, etc. Mm-hmm. That should be automatically go to people. Well, what, you, what happens now is that $1,000 acts more like $1,400. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You understand? Exactly. Because prices should fall. Mm-hmm. And you also should see a, a reduction in prices on fuel because gas in the global market is a lot it's less cheap. It's, yeah, cheaper, it's cheaper now. Yeah. So, so when you're seeing that, that expenditure that we'd have had to, for those who are fortunate enough to have cars, and mm. um, even those who have buses could also know with the car savings they should get at the pump and other incentives, they should also know 
at least for a moratorium, as a private entity, show that you're also part of this initiative to protect the citizens and help out and lower the bus fees, mm. for an example. Right? This is why we, we need to see that the government is doing this not just for consumers, yeah. which is going to be more directly impacted, but through businesses, it's also in, in their impact to the demand side. Indeed. Right? So some people foresee, oh, it's just a tax relief to businesses. Nah, that, then that would mean it's supply-side economics. I don't think that's the case here. I think there's enough in here where businesses can now do right by their customers. Because guess what? You cannot operate without those customers. I think what people are going to observe, they're going to take note of who rose to the occasion to help them, and that's where their future dollars are going to go. So the Rams, the Hotspots, the Chinese, people that own these bus companies, etc., your customers are watching you. you. You said something about the incorporated business tax. And how the, the drop that they gave, I think it, it went from, what, 35% to 28% or 37? 33% to, to, to 28%. Yeah, 33 to 25 I think it was an 8% drop. I think it was yeah, a, yeah, it was 8%. So, it, uh, let me see. Let me see what it is. I have it right here. 33 uh, 30 to 25. 25%. 25 yeah. yeah, so yeah. It's From April to June. From April, from to, April June, to June. Because it has a stipulation. Yeah. It's not for the rest of all time. Yeah. And I'm pretty yeah. sure, again, what's going to happen is that, you know, as, as any accountant would probably just calculate, like, just how much mm-hmm. it would cost to keep people on because it might not, it just might not be worth it to keep 75% of your staff for yeah. for that. Yeah. That might not be working out the way that we think it should. Um, well, well, let's, let's, well, let's look at businesses. Businesses should operate once they're able to cover their fixed cost, not their variable cost. And the fixed cost here usually means um, for fixed assets like land, labor, equipment. Not land, um, physical assets and equipment. Not labor, because labor is a variable cost usually. Mm-hmm. So depending on if the company is around long enough, right? Um, but I don't think, and this is just my honest opinion, I don't have the data. Mm-hmm. The biggest thing that stood out to me is that it's just three months. And that don't mean nothing, mm-hmm. right? And um, the companies that we have on that level, a lot of them have already laid off the workers anyway, right? Uh Um, So who's left? Who's left are the TDCs, the Hotspots, the the banks, the Rams, and those kind of people there. And those are the ones that um, are still fully operational. Yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Because they're not directly affected by the tourism sector. Maybe TDC and Hotspots and some of their... Conglomerates and mm-hmm. obviously Rams and stuff. I have to qualify because they Rams, for example, um, is the well. You have Cantors, but they're also the distributor of most of the food items, food okay. brands locally. And I know at one point in time for Marriott, they coordinated a lot of the storage, so they're gonna definitely have some impact as well. Mm-hmm. But they're also seeing an uptick in purchases. Yes. That whole concept of panic buying before we just got disconnected mm-hmm. is now you see people buying outside of the normal demand pattern. So mm-hmm. that's they're spending more. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's why the, the government is like, hey, you got to slow down. The Prime Minister say, hey, you know, these companies say they have enough in stock to weather X, Y, Z, but not if you panic buy. Exactly. If we have one person going out and buying 10 cases of toilet paper when they only usually bought one every two, three months, mm. then you 
you're putting families at risk for running out of that specific so, product. Exactly. And you're putting stress on an international system because they have to go and order from a pipeline. They won't make these things and think it's needed. Exactly. Right? And we have an increase in global demand. Like I was in Texas and all the shelves were empty for that particular product. Then I go to Mexico and I see Americans in Mexico buying toilet paper to carry back to the U.S. Yeah, so these yeah. are things you just didn't see. Exactly. And it's because now people are now with all to were maintaining their current level of consumption. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, 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 it goes hand in hand. I think that 8% reduction, depending on the size of the company, it's going to come down to a cost-benefit analysis. Mm-hmm. The cost of operating versus the benefit of the tax. Exactly. And I think to incentivize, we needed to see something maybe move from 33% down to, say, 15 until the end of December 31st. Yeah. Something like that yeah. would have been more encouraging. Yeah, exactly. But, um, exactly. Yeah. I completely that, agree. That, that point I don't think was enough. But he did mention in the first instance, yeah. meaning there is still room for improvement. Okay. Well, and, and maybe, maybe there are in some cases... Um, even what was provided to us, um, maybe in mm-hmm. some cases they were saying, "Look, we're gonna give, we're gonna do this. We could do maybe a little bit better, but we'll wait. Mm-hmm. We'll wait after the first yeah. instance, and then we'll wear out. Yeah. If we're gonna raise that yeah. from one twenty to to two two hundred and ten million, I'm not saying this is what yeah. I, I have heard. Nothing. Yeah. I'm just saying maybe at this time, and I understand even." Let me ask you this because this has been something that I've seen a lot, and and, and I want your your take on it. Um, on Sunday, was that a waste of um, of of an, an announcement? Was that a wasted announcement? I, you see, I think it goes back to the expectation of what oh, people boy. wanted. I think people criticize him. People criticize the prime minister for being too late to come to the public, but he's been coming to the public. In, through his different agencies. But in terms of crisis, you want to hear from your leader. Okay. But he comes to the public and he basically said, okay, we've done the 16.9 million injection. We're still testing, blah, 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 blah. What people didn't get was that transparency fact in terms of the number of cases. Mm-hmm. That's what they wanted to know. So what the CMO gave is, I think that's what people wanted. Because to be honest, a lot of stimulus is usually after the fact after we have true evidence and yes. data of what the outcome should be. Mm-hmm. Right? So this is very preemptive, and I give the, the government kudos for that. Uh, it's very preemptive. We've always already seen closures and stuff in some industries that we've already talked about. Mm. However, largely, a lot of the points are preemptive about what is to come. Yes, yeah, sure. Right? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I wouldn't say Sunday was a waste. I, I listened to it. But I think people wanted clear direction on, on, okay, how many cases, how many tests, how many negatives. That's what they wanted. I think that, that's, that's what, that was the problem. Mm. Their mind wasn't at ease. I don't even think they tuned in on, on, on Sunday for an economic stimulus. Mm. I think they tuned in just to get clarification on what are the numbers. Yeah. Right? How in trouble what are What are the numbers? Yeah, our bar is closed. Because, listen, we're surrounded by cases. St. Martin, St. Antigua. Mm-hmm. We're surrounded by cases. And then these countries are then saying, look, these cases were imported from the UK, from they the were. US. Yes, they were. start to say, hey, listen, um, and not just the UK, Europe, too, in this case of Guadeloupe, you know, you could then extend that to France yes. and the St. and so on, exactly. right, because they got their direct fight. 
But the point is, they were imported cases. And with our border still open, and even the Americans suspended flights and crews suspended, we still had AA318 coming in, right? Mm. And now people are like, well, things are going bad in the U.S. And I even publicly said, look, you know, one case in think is it's worse than 100,000 cases in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, if you look at population, yeah. Is, yeah. Uh, but you the can't, you can't quell fear. In order to, to, to help reduce fear, because people see how it's spreading, and you see what's happening in Italy where people just dropping like flies. Mm. We see what happened in New York, and, you know, a lot of think it's Navy's nationals, no New York. Yes. Very familiar. Mm-hmm. So to see these things happen in places they're familiar with, um, I think they just wanted something to ease their fears. Mm. Um, so with the press conference we had on Tuesday, we saw uh, the easing of fears by having the CMO and the chief of staff, um, uh, Dr. Wilkin there mm. and Dr. Lars there. Uh, Wilkinson, sorry. Wilkinson. Mm. And then we also saw the economic stimulus that if you are hurting, we have your back. And I think that gives people a calm, like a sigh of relief. Yeah. You understand? Now, many of them might not even understand everything that comes with the stimulus or what it means. And I think it's going to take some time to digest it fully. But um, it, it, it did, on the broad basis, create calm that we needed. Right, and it showed that one we have we have we we've solicited outside help because mm-hmm. that was something in the media like yes, oh why don't we ask for this country that country and well Cuba they were doing up. it this thing exactly but this thing takes time it does right they ask the they ask the U.S. for help not you know through maybe one of their agencies USAID etc. They asked the um, Taiwan for help because this is an opportunity. I shared posts how Taiwan dealt with this crisis. Amazing. Being so close to mainland China. 100 miles. Right? Mm-hmm. And yet they've reduced their 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 thing. i actually been to the, the city, the Chinese city that's closest to Taiwan. And how they've responded to that has been amazing. So for me, we could learn technical expertise on how to deal with a crisis. From you them. know, I see, I, I, I see, I see that People are just anxious, again, because of the narrative in the media, the narrative on social media, the people who they look to for information, uh, uh, and so on. We need to start to look to official information. Mm -hmm. And this this notion that the government is going to withhold information to make them look good as well, I think that's reckless to have that ideology. I don't think that will happen. Again, I'm not putting my hand on the block for nobody. Not at all. But you have to be careful with the information coming out. And I think the, the speed at which we're bringing out information is very consistent with other countries. They're just calling it differently. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, for example, we've de- our CMO have said the same thing, the stages, etc. And they, they have the Minister of Education came on and said what will happen with schools. But it wasn't written down on a piece of paper. Mm. in the way that they wanted it. Right? So when we see Anguilla send out theirs, then we were like, okay, this is something they should do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't mean it wasn't done. So you're just saying, do it in this way, because this way is easier for you to consume. Mm. And you can't please everybody. Not at all. Right? You can't please everybody. And different people consume information differently. differently. But I think they're doing their best. I think we have to give them the support that they need. And to rally, and we have to put political biases aside and just focus on what is what. And you what know, is what most is important. And how we could do it together. Yeah. What is most important. 
Terence, exactly. man, um, this is a bite-sized chunk. We're doing bite-sized chunks and stuff. Man, really thank you for, yeah. um, for being on here. This probably might not be the last time that I'll talk to you about this. It's a very evolving situation and I'm pretty sure by next week there'll be new information and new things and even more perspective. Um, but I Definitely. must say, I must say, I, I, when I listened to the, the press conference yesterday, there was a lot that that came out of it that I really did appreciate. Of course, for me, it wasn't necessarily the 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 the, the weight of it, uh, what I wanted to hear from it, not necessarily wanted to hear, but what I needed to hear from it was more what would be done for the people that lost their jobs or again cut yeah. hours. Because I mean, this yeah. thing, if it's not handled well, the health implications are not the worst thing that could happen. Um, for any community. Um, it's really, it, if we divulge into a situation of desperation and anarchy, that's even worse. That could take much more lives and it could be oh, much, yeah. much more destructive to our community than than this yeah. specific virus, <laughs> right? I'm not saying viruses yeah. are not bad because it could be worse. But well, well, if, if I could just say before we end, sure. what we have is a public health crisis mm-hmm. and we also have an impending economic crisis. crisis yeah. And you can't, if you're going to have to choose, you're going to choose people over the economy. Mm-hmm. Now, the narrative coming out now is where the money is going to come from. The government chose people over the economy. Mm-hmm. And even and a lot of these things will prop up the economy. It's going to be on a lag basis. But they will provide direct support and, and almost uh, instantaneous support to people that lost their income and lost their jobs. Indeed. And um, the rest of it, we have to just look and see. Indeed. You know, a lot of schools around the country, in the U.S., my daughter's school is on a two-week period where we're going to look and see. We don't know when she's going to go back to school. It's the same thing being adapted and think it's needless. So, you know, give our leaders a break. And just note, like, not only is the people that lost their jobs, but there's $30 million going towards mortgage loans now. Yeah. Now we have capital there if you want to build, now might be the time. We have $5 million going to a fresh start initiative. And they're looking at fast tracking capital projects. This could be new foreign direct investment that will lead to employment. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So they, they're reducing some of these barriers. Mm-hmm. And um, that's directly to help the people in this public health crisis. So I think they're doing a great job. And the farmers. Of, of, Let's of, not forget the farmers. The farmers. And the farmers. The, oh, the farmers, yes, yes, yeah. yes. The farmers will get some relief for last. Last, last livestock and last crops from this, this, this and there's also a, a cash injection and the as 10 well. million dollars for, for agriculture, agriculture which is also huge which I don't think goes fine because we need to divest into ag- we do but you know it, it's it starts somewhere something that comes out yeah, in the future. It starts somewhere it starts somewhere and, and, and kudos to the government man kudos <laughs> to the government on this for sure well, man, thanks a lot, man. Thanks a lot, um, Terence. I hope you have a good day. And of course, I get, I, I'm, I'm guessing. So I hope that your your phone lines is nice and 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 free because I'm I'm probably gonna be talking to you again very soon. Um, to awesome. Hear, to hear what 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 the developments are and what you think about them, what you're looking at. Um, again, you all have, right, sounds good, man. All right, man. Take it easy. All the best.